All right, well, let me pray. I'm going to pray one more time for us as we go into our time of Bible study. Father God, this morning we're thankful for the time that you have given all of us, God, to come together this morning and as we have already done, sing praises to your name. God, we affirm and we are thankful for the truths that we just sang, that your mercy is more. God, that your mercy covers a multitude of sins for all of us. And God, this morning, I pray that as we enter into a time of Bible study, God, I pray that you would open our hearts, God, open our minds to what you would have to say to us through your text this morning. And it's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to start off asking a question. How many of us have been on a cruise before? By a show of hands. Yes. Who has not been on a cruise before? Show of hands. Who says, no matter what, Ryan, I'm never going to get on a boat in the middle of the ocean for a week. Anybody else like on that, on that? Okay, I got you. All right. All right. So if you've been on a cruise that you should know that cruises promise a lot, right? Cruises promise you to have the best time of your entire life. It's one of the most cost-effective vacations you could take, right? So when you think about a cruise and you think about all the elements of the cruise, all the things that they promise, all right, so maybe you, you, your mind defaults uh, to all the activities that they have on board. Right? A cruise promises that uh, you, you'll come on board and there will, be, uh, there will be shuffleboard on the deck, there will be karaoke at night, there will be uh, ping pong tables set up everywhere, there will be 14 different swimming pools, right? there will be all these different water slides, and there will be all these activities uh, that you can take part in to make sure that your vacation is what you want it to be. Right? And then maybe your mind goes to, or maybe what my mind goes to is the food on a cruise ship. Amen. If you've been on a cruise ship, you know that you have about as much food as you could ever want, right? They have a huge buffet, and then a lot of uh, cruise ships will have different restaurants you can go to. You want Japanese food? They've got it. You want sushi? They've got it. You want American food? They'll have that. You want Italian? They'll have that. Anything that you could want on a cruise ship in terms of food, they could give to you. And then on the cruise ship, there's excursions that you take, right? The boat will stop at all these different points on your journey, right? And then there's these excursions that you can get off the boat and go do, right? So if you want to ride a zip line through the jungle, there's an excursion for that. If you want to ride a four-wheeler through that jungle while those people go over you on a zip line, there's an excursion for that. Or maybe you want uh, to scuba dive and go swim with baby sharks and stingrays and all sorts of those kind of things. There's an excursion for that. Or maybe you're the person who say, hey, I like this boat so much, I am not getting off of it the whole week, and I'm just going to enjoy everything that they have to offer, right? You may be, you may be on that train as well. So, in, so let's imagine that I invited you on a cruise. After service, I came to you and said, hey, I want you to go on a cruise to me, with me tomorrow, all right? And so imagine we go and we drive down to Galveston, okay, and I, and I just explained to you all the things that a cruise ship has to offer, right? I just explained all of that that, has, that, ha, that that has to offer. And so you drive to Galveston, you park your car, you get out of your car, you wheel your luggage to the little bridge, they take your luggage, by the way, they take your bag to the room for you, which is another good little, little thing. And so you hand them your bag, and so you have all of these expectations of what this cruise is going to be as you're walking down the bridge onto the ship. And instead of, and when you get on the cruise and you start to walk up, instead of seeing all the bright uh, white bits of the cruise and all the string lights uh, overhead and people wearing bright colors, 
and, and all the things that I explained to you, instead of seeing all of that, you look around and the ship is gray. The ship is gray, it's, it's cold. And, and, and instead of seeing all those things that I described to you, instead of people wearing all these different outfits and all these bright colors, everybody's dressed the same. And they're all in step, and they're all going towards the same place. And you keep looking around, and all of a sudden you look up, and you see these huge artillery cannons. And you see all these different things, and it, and it dawns on you that, wait, I am not on a cruise ship. I've actually just stepped foot onto a battleship. And friends, the sad reality of our time today in 2021 is that a lot of our churches have become cruise ships. A lot of our churches have become about, hey, what does the church have for me? What, what is this church going to offer me? What are the programs? What are the activities? What are all the things that are going to suit the needs that I want? Right? A lot of people are looking for churches that are cruise ships, and unfortunately, a lot of them have become just that. That's right. When in reality, what it looks like for our churches, our churches today are supposed to look like battleships. And each and every one of us as believers has a station on that battleship. If you think about each station on a battleship has a specific mission and a specific purpose that it's seeking to accomplish. And our churches are battleships with a lot of different battle stations. And what I want us to see and want us to look at today is that each and every one of us are called to fill those battle stations with the gifts that God has given to each of us as believers. And I've said this every time I've gotten up here, each and every one of us is uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit to do the work of ministry in our time here on earth. Right? Each and every one of us has a part to play with the gifts that God has given us. And so that's what we're going to look at in our time together this morning, the importance of spiritual gifts, what they are, what we do with them, and how each of us have a role to play in the ministry of the church. Okay, and how we're going to do that, simply I just want to give you at the onset five truths about spiritual gifts. That's where we're going to go first. And then at the end, we'll look at, hey, how do I utilize what God has given me in the ministry of the church. Okay, so like I said, like it says on the screen, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if, you've, if you have your Bibles, whether you have a physical, on your phone, on your tablet, whatever you have, I'd like for you to turn there. And as we drop into 1 Corinthians 12, Paul has written uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth, widely mostly to instruct them on how believers are to function all right, and how they are to interact with the body of the church overall. Okay, and where we're, where we're going, where we're dropping in this morning, we're going to see that Paul is giving very, very practical instruction to the congregation on what it looks like to function together as a body of believers. Okay, so that's, that's where we're going this morning. So let's pick it up in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's start together reading in verse 4. Verse 4, the Bible says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. 
to another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, the performing of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So that's where we'll stop for now. We're going to cover a lot of ground in chapter 12 in our time together this morning. But where we're going to start, the first truth, like I said, I'm going to give you five. The first truth on spiritual gifts, each believer is given a spiritual gift. Each believer is given a spiritual gift. Go back to the, to the text we just read. Look in verse 6. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Okay, so now let's, let's, let's roll back the tape a little bit. Let's make sure we understand, first we have to go back almost to what we believe as Christians, right? And so we know that upon salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us as believers. Amen. We affirm that, we know that, hey, we say that, that is true. Now, along with that, as we see in our text this morning, each of us are given, as verse 7 puts it, a manifestation of the Spirit, Simply, I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing here, the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, gifts each of us uniquely to do the work of ministry in our lives. Okay, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter uh, where you come from, it doesn't matter your background, your race, your socioeconomic status, etc., etc. If you are a believer, if you have trusted in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. Each and every one of us has been blessed by God through the Holy Spirit. But not only do you have a gift, but each of us has been uniquely gifted by God. Now, now I want to mention that here in chapter 12, Paul is not, this is not an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts that we just read. This is not all the spiritual gifts that can be out there, but Paul is just naming a few. But I want to, what I want to say is some of us may have similar gifts, right? So, for example, some of us may have, uh, a couple people may have the same gift of teaching, right? But the Spirit may manifest that in their lives in completely different ways, right? So the Holy Spirit has wired us uniquely with the gift that He has given us. And how amazing is that if we think about that? That the creator of the universe saw, it sees each of us and knows each of us so intimately and so deeply that he has given each of us a unique gift for service to the body and to his church. Right? If we think about it this way, think about when Christmas rolls around. Okay? And, and it's time to get that gift, right? Whether it's for your wife or your spouse, maybe, or one of your children or things like that. And so, for example, if I want to get a gift for Maddie, my fiance, I'm going to take into account what she likes, right? I'm going to take into account what she doesn't like. I'm going to take into account what her interests are. I'm going to take into account all these different things that make up who she is so I can make sure that I give her the best gift possible, right? I'm going to put tons and tons of effort and work and thought into that. And I like to think God kind of does the same thing when he gifts us uh, with spiritual gifts. He takes into account who we are, what, how we function, right? And then he gives us a gift that is unique to us. And it's something to be amazed by, to be in awe of that God would do that in each of our lives. And the important thing to note 
uh, can be seen here at the end of verse 7. Look, look at verse 7 again with me. A manifestation of the Spirit, we just looked at that piece, is given to each person for the common good. I like that, that last phrase, for the common good. The important thing to note is, is Paul is saying that each of us has a gift, right? And that phrase at the end, for the common good, he's saying, hey, you are to use that gift in service to the body. And we'll look at that here in just a few minutes. So I'm not going to say too much more on that because we're going we're to get there. But one commentator says it this way, and I love this. Spiritual gifts are always, to be, are always given to be used and to be used in such a way as to edify the whole body of believers, not some individual possessor of a gift. A schismatic individualism contradicts the purpose of gifts. All right? And so that's, that's our first truth that we're going to look at. We're going to come back to that uh, for the common good piece in a little bit. But that's our first, spiritual, our first truth on spiritual gift. Each believer is given a spiritual gift. The second truth that we have uh, that we can see here in chapter 12 is spiritual gifts unite the body. Spiritual gifts unite the body. Go back to uh, chapter 12, and we're going to continue in chapter 12 where we left off. Look in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the, bo- all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. All right, so, so in verses 12 through 14, in those few verses that we just read, I want you to look back at it, because there's a little word, there's a three-letter word that occurs six times in just those few verses. And just those few verses, a word occurs six times, and it's just the little word, one. O-N-E, one, occurs six times in those few verses. Paul, it's at this point that Paul is really beginning to lean into the analogy that he's going to take through the rest of chapter 12 with the church being the body of Christ. We're going to see that language played out through the rest of chapter 12. And there's, there's only, Paul is getting at here, hey, there is only one spirit. There's one spirit and there is one body, one body being the church, the church of Christ. There's one spirit and one body, yet there are many members that make up the body, right? And to say it another way, the body is one, but is not just one member, And what we see here is that through all the gifts that can be given, through all the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to His people, we see a tremendous diversity of gifts among the the church through spiritual gifts. And that's something that's to be celebrated, that's something to be praised, right? We looked at that at the first point. We can rejoice that God has gifted each of us uniquely, right, to do the work of the Spirit. And here Paul is driving home that, hey, even though we have been gifted differently, even though that each and every one of us possesses something different, we all come together as one body, under one spirit, as the church. And I think this gives us an amazing reminder, an amazing reminder of the message of the gospel. Because if we think about the gospel, even in our differences, in our diversity, in our sin, each one of us is adopted into the same family of God. We were all a part of the same body. 
even in our differences, even in our diversity. And that's something to be celebrated. All right, so that's our our second truth on spiritual gifts. They unite the body. Our third uh, truth on spiritual gifts is is that each gift is needed for the body to function. Each gift is needed for the body to function. Let's go back to our text here. Pick it up in uh, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if, there were, if they were all the same part, where would the body be? And so if we, so if we take Paul's uh, metaphor analogy that he's using here, if we take the example of our own human bodies, there are, uh, there are a, a complex web of systems that make up our body, right? A lot of different systems that our body has to make it function, right? We have a cardiovascular system. We have a neurological system. We have skeletal system. We have all these different systems, all these different parts that make up our body. But let's say that part of that body was missing. If I was missing my lungs, obviously my body's not going to function the way it should. If I'm missing part of my brain, my body's not going to be able to function as it was designed to do. And the church is the same way. Each member of the body, each person, each uh, member of the church plays an essential role and is needed for the church to function properly. Each and every one of us. And verses 16 and 17 kind of show, Paul shows this very well. He, he puts it in, hey, if, if each of the members of the body had the exact same gift, would we, we would be missing essential components, right? If we take it back to the, to the analogy he's used, if we were all a hand, if we were all an eye, right, our body is not functioning the way it was designed to function, right? And the church has many different parts that are present for it to function properly. And as as I said at the beginning, it's our responsibility to fulfill those functions and to fulfill those parts. If I go back all the way to the beginning to that, that illustration I used, each of the parts of the church, churches have a lot of battle stations on the ship. Churches have a lot of stations that need to be filled. And this is a question I'm going to ask you now and we'll come back to at the end. Are you filling the duties of your battle station? Are you fulfilling the duties of your battle station? We'll come back to that at the end. So that's our third truth. Each gift is needed for the body to function. Fourth truth on spiritual gift. Are you still with me? I didn't get any of this, so I'm kind of scared. Are you still with me? Okay, good. Number four, each gift is equally valuable. Each gift is equally valuable. Go back to the text. Uh, Let's pick it up. We've already read a few of these, but I just want to read them again. Start in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? When it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to the body, there is no ranking system of gifts. 
There's no rank, there's no top 50 list that comes out of spiritual gifts that you might want to have. There's no reason to rank the gifts and the members of the body because each of the gifts and the members is of equal importance. Each of the gifts and each member of the body is equally important. As I said just a few minutes ago, if each person wanted to play the same role, we would be missing essential functions of the body. And this shows us the importance of what it means to rely on one another in the body. We need each other. Each part of the body, each person in the body needs each other. Isolation in the church can be deadly to the body. Isolation can be deadly. If, if one part of the body is working all by itself, that part of the body is going to become run down, right? It's going, to be, it's going to burn out. And if one part of the body goes off on its own and starts doing something else, the body's not going to function as it was intended, correct? And so we need each other. We rely on the other members, the other parts of the body. And sometimes, like I said, we, we have this tendency to focus on the flashier gifts, right? I put that in quotes. The flashier gifts. Man, I wish God would have gifted me like that guy. Man, why, why didn't God gift me the way he gifted him or her? I'll never have an impact like he will. I'll never be able to make the kind of impact that that guy will. And let me tell you, friends, this is the devil's way of discouraging Christians from never serving at all. This is the way that he tells you, you don't need to serve. You don't need to fulfill your function. He will whisper these lies into your ear all the time to keep you from serving the body. And church, we must resist the lie from Satan that some gifts are less important than others. We must resist the lie that the devil is saying, your gift isn't as important as the guy sitting next to you. You, you, you don't play a, a, as big of a role as he does. No, that's a lie because each person in the body, as we've seen, is equally valuable and is needed. Okay? And so that's the fourth truth on spiritual gift, our fifth and final one. God has gifted the body according to his design. Look in verse 18 real quick. This is where we see this. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. In verse 18 here, Paul emphasizes some attributes in God's nature, right? He emphasizes God's wisdom. In his wisdom, he put the body together this way. In his sovereignty, he saw that this is how the body should function. This is how the church should function. God has arranged the body as he pleased and as he saw fit. In his infinite wisdom, he knew where to place every single one of us. He knew how to gift each and every one of us. And when, when I think about Paul's metaphor here and I think about the body, I'm drawn back to Genesis chapter 2. I'm drawn back to Genesis chapter 2 and the creation account when God puts his wisdom on full display as he forms Adam out of the dust of the ground. I'm drawn back to God's wisdom and his design. And in Genesis 2, we see something pretty cool. We see God really kind of reach down and get his hands dirty. God reaches his hands down into the earth and gets them dirty as he forms Adam out of the dust of the ground. And he forms and he makes and he shapes us in his likeness, in the image of God, the Imago Dei. 
And in the same way, he forms and he shapes and he arranges the body, the church. He has done it according to his infinite wisdom and his design. And we are to be thankful and grateful to God for the ways that he has gifted each and every one of us. Not looking to someone else or wishing for another gift, but thanking God for the ways that he has gifted us. And so what, what do we do about it? All right, now, So now we've, we've looked at five truths on spiritual gift. I've given you those. But now what do we do about it? In way of application, church, my first point, it's for some of you, for some of us, it's time to open your gift. It's time to open your gift. Let me explain. So earlier I talked about if I wanted to get Maddie this perfect present, right? This perfect Christmas gift. And so I put all the time in, I, I put all the time in the research, I go to the store, I find the perfect gift, and I, and I get it wrapped and I put a bow on it. I don't put a bow on it actually because I can't do that. I get somebody else to do that for me. And, and I get it wrapped all nicely and Christmas day comes and I go and I give it to you and I say, here, I gave you, I got you this gift and I know you're going to love it. I know you're absolutely going to love what I got you. And instead of what I know she would do is immediately tear it all to shreds and there'd be a mess everywhere because that's how she is. Instead of that happening, she just kind of puts it to the side. She says, I'll get to that later. I'll open your gift. I know, I know that you gave it to me. I know it's important and you said it's going to be good. I'll get to it in a minute. Okay, that's fine. It's okay. And then a couple hours go by and the box is still sitting on the ground. I say, hey, are you going to open the gift that I got you? I'll get to it. I'll open the gift. And the whole day goes by. Two days, two days go by, a week, a month, and the box is still collecting dust unopened. Some, of, some believers today have not opened the gift that God has worked so hard to give them. Some believers have not opened the gift that God has given them. And how selfish of us can it be That God has worked so hard and he has gifted us according to his design and given us this gift that he wants us to use and then to enjoy in the service of his church. But we haven't opened it. We've left it sitting on the ground collecting dust. Church, it's time for some of us to open our gifts and to use them as they were designed to be used. And so this requires some work on our part. This requires some work for us to do. First of all, the first question you should ask yourself is, am I a believer? Because we know believers, unbelievers do not have spiritual gifts. It's upon coming to faith in Christ that you are given a spiritual gift. And so the first question you should ask yourself is, hey, am I a believer? And once you say yes, and once you are a believer, then it's time to do some work. It's time to start praying and asking God, God, show me how you have gifted me. What have you gifted me? How can I be of service to you and to the body and to the church? Right? And then the work that I was talking about, you have to do some digging. You've got to work and figure out, hey, what is the gift that God has given me? And so I wanted to help those of you maybe that are trying to answer that question yourself. Out in the foyer after service, when we get done on the little black table out here. There, I printed off some of these. This is a spiritual gift survey. 
spiritual gift survey. It's got questions. You rank each question on a one to five saying, yes, that's like me. No, that's not like me. And then you total them all up at the end and it'll tell you, hey, here's maybe where your gifting leans to, lean towards. Maybe here, this is, this is where God may be directing you to. And so that's a way that you can do some of the work that we have to do. And then it's time also to ask other believers around you, hey, how do you think God has gifted me? How do you see the Holy Spirit working through me so that I might use the gift that God has given me to serve the church and to serve the body? It's time for some of us to open our gifts. The second application I have for us is simply to ask God for the passion to serve. Ask God for the passion to serve the body. It's become too common in a lot of churches today. If you were to go up to somebody and say, how do you, how do you serve in your church? You, I know you go to such and such church. How do you serve? And it's become far too common for people to start off their answer by saying, well, I used to do that. I, I used to serve this way or, or in this capacity. Many Christians today in our churches have lost their passion to serve the body of Christ for whatever reason. Many Christians have lost the passion to serve the body. And it's a tragedy that so many believers are not serving in their local churches today. And if there's ever a day that we need our people to, to, uh, to come and to ignite their passion to serve, it's now. It's today. We see what's happening in our world. We see what Satan is trying to do to our world. And if there's ever a day that we need believers to serve, it's today. It's now. Amen. And where does the passion to serve go? Where does it go? Sometimes it can be a sign of maybe some spiritual apathy. Some backsliding. You may have lost a passion for the things of God. And so simply we must ask God for the passion to serve. Say, God, will you come into my life and renew the passion that, you, that I once had to serve the body? I want to serve you and to serve your kingdom, to see you glorified and magnified. Will you give me the passion to serve? I wrote this down earlier this week, and I don't have it on the slides, but I think it's good. I just said, Christianity is not a spectator sport because we all have a position to play. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We all have a position to play. We all have a battle station to fill. And we need to ask God for the passion to serve and to fill those roles and to fill those battle stations. And the last application I have for you this morning, then we're done. Push back against darkness by serving faithfully. Push back against darkness by serving faithfully. Thriving churches are made up of believers who are faithfully serving the body for the glory of God. That's what makes up thriving churches, faithful servants who are using their gifts to the glory of God. They are the ones who power the church. It's not me. It's not Casey. It's all of us. It's the whole church combined who are powering the church, pushing back against the forces of darkness that Satan is bringing into this world. And as we faithfully serve and as we faithfully fulfill what God has given to us, we are pushing back the darkness that Satan is bringing into this day. Like I said earlier, Satan wants nothing more for you to do nothing. He wants nothing more for you to come into Sunday service to sit and listen to the message and go home and do nothing else. That's what he wants. That is what he wants for you more than anything. And when that happens, he's gaining a foothold. He is slowly gaining a foothold. 
He wants you to think that you don't need to serve. Somebody else is going to do that. Don't worry about that. And he will whisper these lies into our ears until we come to believe them. Church, what would it look like for each member of East Ridge Baptist Church to be serving and pushing back against darkness in this world? We are called to do that. We are called to push back against darkness as we faithfully serve the body. And as as we come to a close, as I wrap up, I want to ask each of ourselves a question. I want you to ask yourself this question. Don't answer out loud, but just think to yourself this question. Would someone who walked into our church see Eastridge as a battleship fighting in a war, or would they see a cruise ship? Would someone who walked into our church see a battleship who was in the midst of a war fighting with everything they have, like I said, to push back darkness? Or would they see us lounging in our sun chairs, just waiting to be served? And then I want to ask you a follow-up question for you to answer as well. Am I serving? Am I fulfilling the roles of my battle station? Am I fulfilling the duties of my battle station where God has gifted and placed me? That's what I want us to ask ourselves this morning. Many churches today, like I said, are becoming cruise ships. It's all about me. It's about me. What can you do for me? When instead it should be, what can I do for the church? How can I serve the church? And how can I glorify God through the church? Bow your heads with me as we close this morning. Maybe this morning you're here and this morning you, you would recognize and you would say and you would would say that maybe I have not opened my gift. Maybe this morning that you would recognize and you would admit, hey, God gifted me with this amazing gift, but I have yet to open it. Man, just, just in the quietness of your pew right there with God, I want you to ask God, God, show me where you have gifted me. God, show me where you might have me to serve you and your body and your church now. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you, you don't have a place that you call a church home. Maybe you don't have a place where you're serving faithfully. Maybe you're looking for a place where you can push back against the darkness of this world with another body of believers. And maybe God has led you to Eastridge. Maybe God is pushing you in the direction of of joining this church to come and push back against darkness with this body of believers. Man, we would love nothing more than to fight against darkness with you. This morning, maybe you just need to ask God to renew your passion to serve. Maybe this morning you would say and recognize that, God, I've lost my passion to serve you. And so maybe in the, in the quietness of, of your pew with God right now, you would ask him, God, renew my passion to serve. And maybe you're here this morning and, and, you, and you realize you've come to the realization that I'm not even a believer. I haven't trusted in, in, the, in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. Friend, let me tell you, today can be a great day of victory for you.
And today can be the day that you come and you turn your heart to the Lord today. Father God, we are thankful for the time that you've given us this morning. God, we're thankful for the word that you've imparted to us through 1 Corinthians 12. And God, this morning we pray that as we do, as, as Eastridge Baptist Church strives to push back darkness in this world, God, that you would give each and every one of us the passion and the will to serve you with everything that we have. God, for some here this morning, they, like I said, they may have never realized the gift that you have given them. God, I pray that you would make that known to them. God, that they would see where you have gifted them. God, would you show them today? God, I pray for those here this morning that, are, that have realized that maybe they have lost their passion to serve you and to serve your body. God, I pray that you would renew a passion of fire in their soul to serve you through the service of their church. God, that we would valiantly and bravely push back against darkness today. God, I, I pray for someone either here in person who is, who is watching online that maybe they're not a believer. God, I pray that you would show them their need for you. God, that, that you, can, you can save them from their sins. God, that there's nothing they can do that can repair the gap, the, the divide that is between you and them caused by sin. God, and today might be a day of victory over sin through you and through the blood that you shed on the cross. God, this morning again, we thank you. We love you. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen.